this is Katrin with Disability Rights New York. Welcome to our podcast, Empire State of Rights Closed Captioned. We are here to bring you information on the most relevant topics regarding disability rights and advocacy. I'm happy to welcome our guest, Becky Preeby, the Executive Director of Aging New York, an organization that advocates for New York's county-based area agencies of aging, AAA, and promotes independence, preserves dignity, and provides support for residents of New York State as they age. Today, we are going to discuss the intersectionality of aging, disability, and community access, as well as their social and economic impacts. Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. Very happy to be here. So Becky, let's start off by talking about the advocacy work of Aging New York and the services it provides. I think that uh, as we've moved through a lot of different things happening over the past couple of years, uh, my guess is that our audience may know a little bit about you, but I don't think they know all of what you do. Sure. So the Association on Aging in New York, uh, we represent the 59 offices for the aging, also known as Area Agencies on Aging in the state. Um, We are a not-for-profit membership organization, and so we do a variety of different things for the AAA network. Um, We host an education and training grant. We do a lot of peer-to-peer support, and we also have a very large footprint in the advocacy space. So we advocate not only for older New Yorkers, but also for caregivers, for people with disabilities. Um, we do a ton of work on home and community-based services and prevention of Medicaid and institutional care. So the way our network um, operates in the state of New York is there are 59 offices for the aging throughout the state. Um, most of them are county-based within county government. We have a few not-for-profits. We have two Native American Indian tribes that have standalone AAAs. And then they partner with about 12 to 1,300 community-based organizations to provide a variety of supports and services We're most well-known for our home-delivered meal program. We actually have the largest nutrition program in the country, but that's really only one small part of our book of business. Um, And really where we intersect, and I know we're going to get into this with the disability network, is we have a very robust New York Connects resource directory and information and assistance hotline that serves individuals from birth to death. So yes, there is so much more that you do. And, um, And it's interesting to think of, uh, so in the in the intro, I talked about AAA, and of course there's AAA, which is uh, something else that is commonly used, um, especially in this area. So I want to be very clear that this is something very different and uh, and and directly related to what you're doing. And so yeah, let's get into aging and dis- and disability, right? So we have um, we have intersectionality of both of these demographics and. First, let's talk about what intersectionality means, right? Like, so there's a lot of keywords that come up and people, um, as we start to use them more commonly throughout the work that we do, and even where people are seeing them on social media, I I feel like intersectionality is something we're hearing a lot about. Let's talk about the word first, and then we'll talk about how it is that our two communities are are definitely um, part of that. So I think, you know, as as far as the language and what this means is you can't think about older people in a silo, right? It's not just aging services. Aging is part of a lifespan. Uh, Disability work is also part of that lifespan. And so really the goal that we have here at the association and what we've really been focused on 
um, since I've come on board in 2020 was to really make sure that we're supporting people holistically. And that means across the lifespan. Um, we know that the aging population is growing in New York. So you already have a subset within the aging population that may have a disability their entire life. They're now aging with a disability. We also have a very robust foster grandparent program. So we have a lot of grandparents that might be raising children um, potentially with a disability. And then when you look at the long-term care services and support structure in the state, we utilize the same you know, network of licensed home care agencies, registered nurses, public health services um, across that same lifespan. So a lot of the providers that are assisting older people are also assisting people with disabilities. And many times people are aging either with a disability or with a disability within the family unit that they reside in. So the two, two um, from our perspective here at the state is the two are hand in hand with one another. They can't be a segregated entity. Right. And when we think about it in holistic terms and as far as all of our lives, lifespans are going to include having to use services at some point. And, and when, when I say that, you know, I'm talking about things like even using a ramp to get into a building or or making sure that there are elevators somewhere because we can't take uh, 12 flights of stairs um, there. The the way that we look at how we age uh, is is very similar to how disability is um, is talked about and communicated to uh, to the general public. So um, as we talk about intersectionality there, we will all get older. So um, this is something that we are all going to face. And, and as you talked about the number of people in New York State, our total population is over 19 million. And right now we're ranking fourth in the nation in the number of adults who are over 60. So that population is growing and um, it's a it's a significant number. Um, we're talking about 3.7 million individuals. Talk to us about, um, you said that there are 59 different AAAs throughout the state, uh, as well as two individual. Um, let's talk about how it is that services are being provided and um, communicated to this population um, in the way that, in the best way that it can with all of these areas and um, spaces for them to, to meet up in and to try and get a localized view of the services that you have. So it's, it's really a mix. So we have about 40 core services and programs that you'll see in every office for the aging throughout the state. So those are core dedicated services. I mentioned the home delivered meal program. So every county has a home delivered meal program, a congregate program. Um, and under those core services and supports is really where we house our New York Connects program. And the New York Connects program that I spoke to is basically the no wrong door is what we refer to that that New York Connects outlet as. And what that means is there is a statewide 1-800 number, but there's also individual county offices for the aging that you can contact for any specific community-based needs. So what that might look like in New York City might look much different than here in Northern New York um, based on population density and based on the, the clients themselves and what they've indicated are interest to them. So um, we do a ton of marketing to try and make sure people are aware that the services exist. Uh, what we find is many times people don't come to us until they're in a moment of crisis. And so, you know, immediate action needs to be taken. We're, we're looking to serve not only healthy, um, older individuals who want to volunteer, give back to their communities, all the way to, you know, assisting getting people to institutional care settings. 
Um, so it's really kind of across the board where here is a resource in the community. It is localized. Um, all of the counties also have what's called the Long-Term Care Council. So the Long-Term Care Council is actually a conglomerate of all of the human services providers that reside within that catchment area. Um, and that's for information sharing to the community on specialized programs and services that may be available. So, you know, the one takeaway for us in the network is always to just get visibility to let people know that there is a resource you can, can turn to that's completely free. We don't charge for those services. Um, the other thing is their objective services. And this is really important when you're looking at health insurance plans, where you might have a commission sales representative that's trying to change your Medicare plan, which also touch, touches individuals with disabilities under the age of 60. Um, and we are mandated under law that we have to give objective information on behalf of the client. We can't endorse specific products. So um, a really long-winded answer to your question, where here is the community resource. We really want to work within communities um, and make sure that we're tailoring programs and services where they need to be tailored for the likes of the individuals that live in that community. And I really think we needed all of that information. So I didn't find it long-winded. I, I feel like there's there are so many things that, um, and of course, we could talk about this for hours, quite frankly, just the whole scope of what it is that you do. One of the things that um, that we have actually talked about in a prior conversation, and, and as we start to look at what other steps that New York State needs to take to ensure age-friendly and accessible uh, and accessibility in communities is there is a big difference between New York City and rural upstate New York or rural western New York. So as and the the demographics that we're talking about, you know, you're talking about this population size as well as locale. And it, it is definitely true that in New York City, we have way more people. There's it's definitely more heavily populated. However, in Western New York or even places in upstate New York, while the volume of people may be lower, um, getting to rural areas, getting to people that aren't going to be able to get on paratransit or aren't going to necessarily be able to get picked up um, from a certain service. How are we looking at that um, overall? New York State is a it's a big state and we have a lot of um, farmland still and we have a lot of areas that are not densely populated, but certainly they're an aging community as well. What's happening in New York State when we when we talk about that? So, you know, you raise a really, really important issue. And, and part of the, the job that I love is that I get to travel the state of New York, right? And it is a beautiful state, but it is massive. And, you know, as you spoke to, most of the state is actually rural, um, but people think of, of New York as New York City, right? So um, there are inherently different issues based on where you are in the state. I would say for rural areas, transportation is our number one issue. Um, transportation definitely is a barrier. Much of the state doesn't actually have public transportation that will go off of a fixed route, which makes it very, very difficult for an older person or a person with mobility issues to actually utilize. Um, then you add to that, some people aren't comfortable taking public transportation. So it might be a barrier of education, not knowing how to use the bus or a ramp or the lift on the bus um, can be very intimidating. So we have, we have actually instrumented numerous transportation options for New York State, we're actually getting ready to launch in the next couple of months an initiative with a company called Go Go Grandparent. It's a California-based company um, that basically utilizes an Uber Lyft model, but the drivers are specifically trained and screened for a comfort level with mobility issues, cognitive impairments, 
Um, and it's also an economic driver for older individuals that want to drive themselves. So most of the drivers through GoGo are actually over the age of 60 themselves. So it's an economic opportunity for them. Um, and that's just one piece of really what we've tried to push. We also subsidize public transportation for older individuals with vouchers or coupons that we pre-purchase on behalf of individuals. And then what's really amazing in the state of New York is the volunteer base that we have. So we have numerous programs throughout the state that actually have friendly visiting programs where people volunteer to be friendly visitors and will also provide transportation. The reason that that's so important to both of our communities is the fact that especially um, in more rural areas, any specialty care happens a couple hours away. So the example that I will use, because I actually live in Franklin County, um, anybody that needs specialty services such as nephrology, cardiology, um, they have to travel sometimes to Vermont or a three and a half hour trip to Albany. So um, those volunteers will actually provide those transportation options. And then also what we um, are really excited about that just was announced today, actually, by executive order is the master plan on aging. And the master plan on aging is a roadmap to continue the work we've done on age-friendly New York um, and health across all policies, which is inclusive of both populations. So the master plan on aging is not specifically focused only on older individuals. It's older individuals, people with disabilities and caregivers. So it's really all-encompassing. And what the master plan is tasked with doing is to take all state agencies. And sometimes we don't think of this, like Department of Transportation needs to be part of the master plan on aging for exactly what you spoke to. Um, so the goal over the course of the next two years with the master plan is to do exactly that, is to bring in subject matter experts from various fields that you might not even think touch the aging population. But as we spoke to before, everyone is aging. So yeah. <laughs> it, it touches every facet of your life. Um, and when I, when I talk about the master plan on aging or age-friendly communities, it needs to be just as easy for me to push a baby in a stroller as it is for me to push a, a 95-year-old who's utilizing a wheelchair. Um, that, to me, is accessibility and, and inclusivity. Absolutely. And, you know, as we're talking about transportation, we're talking about bringing in all the people that need to be at the table, right? We need to have a comprehensive list of people who are at the table for these, these planning events, right? And when we talk about COVID and we talk about the impact that it had on the aging and disability communities, um, we are, we're talking about also emergency preparedness, right? And, and so as master plans are put together, as uh, task forces are put together, how much of the communities that we're trying to impact uh, are being brought to the table? Are, are we having the ability to get information from whether it's the disability community or people who are either aging in place or have family members that are aging? Is there a, is there a mechanism in New York State right now where people can be brought to that table to talk about the, the perspective from someone who is not able to either have transportation or who doesn't know if the service that they need is, is provided. And when we talk about aging and the number of services that you provide, um, how, do we, how do we bring those specific people to the table and get their input? So we've actually had a laser focus on emergency preparedness for both populations for quite some time. Um, I think COVID-19 really highlighted where there were gaps in those plans, but also what better outreach we could do on behalf of the older population or people with disabilities. 
Um, every county that runs an office for the aging is mandated to have an emergency preparedness plan for the individuals that they serve. Um, and so those take a variety of different options. Um, some counties actually have the ability to, to build um, within their 911 system um, alerts that will go to cell phones, SMS text messaging that can go even to flip phones if someone has an older phone. Um, we do a ton of community outreach and work with the 911 coordinators throughout the state to make sure that the specialized populations are identified. Um, every client that we serve that gets a comprehensive services assessment. So if you receive a service through your office for the aging, you will get a comprehensive service assessment that will be inclusive of, do you need assistance evacuating your home if there was a natural disaster? Would you need assistance with interpretation? Um, do you utilize oxygen? Are you on dialysis? So all of that data we actually have. Um, and I can tell you what happened during the pandemic is not only were we responsible for our traditional base of customers, we became instantly responsible for everybody over the age of 60. Um, and really what we saw, you know, from a variety of different things from, you know, food and prescription delivery, people were terrified to go to the grocery store or the pharmacy. Um, people were having uh, medical appointments that were canceled. So they weren't getting appropriate medical care and some struggled with telehealth services. That's something that we stepped in to assist with. Um, getting people vaccinated uh, was probably one of the biggest lifts for our community. And what we found is that because it was initially an online platform, we noted that the older individuals or people with visual impairments or didn't have technology or didn't have broadband, they couldn't get vaccination appointments. So offices for the aging actually dedicated their staff time to scheduling those appointments on behalf of their, the individuals that called. Um, we worked really closely on a home vaccination program where we actually worked with public health departments and individual pharmacies to get vaccines into the homes of people that couldn't leave. Um, and a lot of the work that we did was advocating at a state level for a couple of things. One was to get our workers deemed as essential. So um, that was something that we did instantly once, once the pandemic, you know, really took hold and was announced so that our workers could still do home visits. They could still provide transportation. Um, the same thing happened in the disability community. Um, and then any of our clients or anyone in the disability community who's receiving home care services, again, under Department of Health regulations, the licensed home care provider has to have an emergency plan in place. So those people, we make sure that we have our arms wrapped around. Um, and really that, that is something that we've been focused on, um, you know, for years, but I think Hurricane Sandy really, really highlighted um, the, the importance of having comprehensive plans. And then we have a very large state, as we talked about, we have massive snowstorms, we have flooding, um, and those are all areas which, you know, we're responsible to make sure people have heat and that they have food and that they have the necessary, um, life-sustaining things available to them if they can't achieve them themselves. That's so true. In New York state, of course, um, here we are in the fall and, uh, I do love seeing the memes about how we, you know, New York state at six in the morning, it's winter, uh, at 10 in the morning, it's. Uh, early spring, and then we get to fall and then late summer, the third summer. So we definitely have um, the, the vast array, nice spectrum of seasons that bring with them their own types of impact to our communities. And as you're just talking about, there are so many impacts um, on different communities. Um, so really, these improved, not just community access, but services are going to be helpful to 
everybody, everyone. It's not just the disability community or just the aging community. And, you know, we, we were talking about assessments, right? And that's something that I feel like um, is the one thing, that is the one thing that can be so helpful to any family, any individual who is at any point in their life, you know, we're, we're looking at, um, I think it's AARP sends out their magazine at 50, right? So we're looking at um, really having those assessments done earlier. Uh, I feel like that's that has been more common since COVID uh, because there was such a, a very big focus on all the things that all of a sudden became inaccessible, right? So when we talk about assessments, how much of that or how early can someone call, whether it's a family or for someone who is maybe living alone and maybe they aren't, Maybe they're in their late thirties. Uh, you know, there's. I, I I guess my point is, I want to know is, is there like you are too young to to give you a call? No, um, and that's that's the beautiful thing about the New York Connects program. So New York State actually houses their New York Connects program is called an ADRC. It's an Aging and Disability Resource Center, um, which I love that name because it's a resource yeah. center for everyone, and. Right. Um, you know, you, you can call New York Connects with a general inquiry. You can be anonymous. You can call in and say, hey, um, I'm concerned that my mom might have X, Y, or Z. Can you give me some advice? Or you can call and say, I need a specific service. Um, and why I think the comprehensive service assessment is so important is there are so many times someone might call recent surgery. Can I get home delivered meals for the next two weeks until, you know, my arm heals? When they get that comprehensive service assessment, we look holistically at that individual. They might be eligible for a SNAP benefit. They might be eligible for a low-income um, subsidy. They could get their Medicare Part B back. Um, all of these things that they might never have thought of, they call for the meal. We assess the individual holistically. We're able to tell them you're eligible for X number of benefits. Um, and I use the SNAP example because most older people don't know that they could qualify for SNAP. And it, on average for older New Yorkers, it's $3,000 a year. So, um, you know, I think it's really, really important that if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you're caring for a loved one, um, again, you can make that call for free and get objective, accurate information on potential next steps. Um, the one thing that we can't do is nobody has a crystal ball. Um, Prior to being in this role, I actually ran an office for the aging, and I can't tell you how many times I would have someone call that would say, I want to know what to do um, with my mom. Well, so many things could happen with mom. We can't tell you what's going to happen. We can tell you what your options are in the community or in an institution um, or with supported home care services, but nobody can predict that future. Um, but I think, you know, it's really, really important for, you know, your listeners, people in the community to know that there is a localized resource that you can contact for accurate information. I think that is so important for our audience to know is making the initial call, right? So knowing that anyone at any point could, could give a call and say, this is what's happening right now. How do we plan for the potential of what is going to come next? Because there is no way to know for sure. Right. but there is a way to know these are the things that are available to me no matter what happens. And this is a resource that I have that I can call as things change. I feel like there is so much of, well, I only call this person for this. I only call this department for this. And um, from the number of times that we've talked and all that I've read, 
you really uh, are a catch-all. I mean, I feel like that anyone could call at any time, almost like the Zappos of departments, <laughs> any any conversation, any question you have. And um, and I, I think that the visibility of that part of what you do is just amazing. It's just, it's something that um, I know for, for families that are in my community, um, that is the first call that they make. And so is there anything that we can do uh, on this podcast, anything we can talk about or any contact that we can give the audience to let them know this is the number, this is the website um, and give a call. We'd love to give that information. And also, is there anything else that you're working on, anything that's new outside of the programs we've already talked about that you want to share? So I will address the last part of your question first. Um, and I could go on for eons about the amazing things that we're doing in New York State right now. Um, I think most notably, obviously, we talked about the master plan on aging. We're really, really excited for that endeavor. We're going to be embedded with the Department of Health, New York State Office for the Aging, um, with a laser focus on that lifespan that we talked about and being inclusive of individuals with disabilities. Um, I, I also think that the intersect right now that we're seeing with offices for the aging that want to be more competent in, in not only utilizing the disability service community, but also making sure that we're culturally aware and sensitive. Um, we actually started a pilot project a little over a year ago where um, I actually employ a disability program coordinator and her her overall job is to make sure that we're training our Office for the Aging staff to make sure that they um, they are aware of all available resources, they're aware of how to enter the OPWDD system, how to make sure that we're cross-collaborating. Um, many times you'll see service providers in the disability community working with an individual within a family unit where Office for the Aging exists with, with current programs and services, and how can we make sure that we're connecting with one another um, and that work has been really, really exciting. One of the one of the focuses of our disability program is actually on emergency preparedness. Um, so we've built in additional trainings on that front. Um, and then we've done a ton of special projects that really were born out of the COVID-19 pandemic that we have continued in the state of New York. Um, most notably, we, we have really um, highlighted and increased access to technology services. So many of the offices for the aging have distributed tablets. Um, or worked with cell phone providers to get cell phones into the hands of older New Yorkers. We also have a Get Set Up platform, um, which is an online training platform where you can literally hop on and you would be hard pressed to pick a subject you can't find a class on. Um, from gardening to taking a tour of a museum um, to crafts, you know, you name it, it's available. And, and the nice thing about Get Set Up is the classes are all taught by people that are older themselves. Um, they go through a vetting process. They are paid for their, their presentations. Um, but the online platform, your first class that you take is how to use an iPhone, how to use an Android, and how to Zoom. So you baseline individuals. And, you know, I have 90 to 100-year-olds who said, I don't, I don't want to be on the computer, who now are on Get Set Up all the time. Um, so we mass purchased classes for the entire state of New York. So that's open to anybody that wants to take them. We also partnered with a company called Pets Together. And what Pets Together does, again, it's, it's a completely free program that will actually pair a volunteer with an animal, with an older person or a person that's isolated and lonely. Um, and you do Zoom calls uh, once a week or more if you want them, where you actually Zoom with individuals with animals from miniature horses to chickens to dogs, um, You know, really trying to make sure people are, are not socially isolated and that we're connecting them. 
We've also distributed thousands of animatronic pets. Um, we started that project pre-COVID with, uh, they call them robot dogs and cats, um, but they're meant to interact with individuals. So even if you have a hearing impairment, you can feel the cat purr, they will meow, roll over. Um, that has been amazingly successful. And we just actually distributed walker squawkers. Um, and the great thing about a walker squawker, um, I actually have one. Um, you put them on your walker with the intent that if you walk away from your walker and your bird is on it, the bird will actually talk to you. So you go back and get your walker. Um, so really, really amazing technologies that we've utilized. We've also implemented what's called LEQ, which is um, essentially an Alexa on steroids. So it comes with a 17 inch touch screen, um, but it has artificial intelligence. So it learns with you. Um, the reason this is so important is, you know, many times people don't live with other individuals. They might be very, very lonely, not see anybody. Um, this allows them to FaceTime with one click of a button, but LEQ becomes your friend. So when I wake up in the morning, LEQ would say, hi, Becky, how did you sleep last night? If I say I slept really well, LEQ will remember that I didn't sleep well two nights ago. And she will say to me, so happy to hear that you slept better than you did the night before last. Um, also medication reminders. Um, and that's just really a small subset of, of some of the things we've piloted, but um, these are things that are available throughout New York state. We also launched the Trualta caregiver platform, which is bite-sized information for people um, to learn about anything from how to care for someone or what resources are available in your local community. Um, that has been very, very successful. We have um, hundreds of thousands of users of that platform so far. It is an evidence-based platform, so we know that it works. Um, and that's just to name a couple of the really cool programs that, that we've implemented. Um, as far as resources, I think the one takeaway from this is the New York Connects 1-800 number. Um, you don't have to look at your local county. You can call the 1-800 number. You will be connected um, anywhere in the state that you're from. Um, that number is 1-800-342-9871. Um, and again, that is answered, and then you would be transferred to um, you know, whatever county you resided in for, for services and supports. And then you can always call your local office for the aging. And we'll put that information in the notes of this podcast, along with other contact information for you. I, I feel like we could probably have three or four other podcasts to talk about everything you just shared, because I want to know about all of it. I'm so interested in all of the things that are available. Uh, it is amazing also knowing that um, you have the ability to, to train on iPhones and Android and tablets because that is just a huge barrier uh, to pick up something new um, and to start, start doing that um, at a much older age is something that I've gone through with my own parents. And um, it is, it's a steep learning curve. So I, I think that's fantastic. Um, so I really hope that we get to talk again about more of these programs. Um, especially uh, as we are moving into the winter, I do think that that is that is one of the things about New York State that is um, consistent and affects uh, the most people uh, every year um, is the snow and the cold. Um, so I really look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Empire State of Rights closed captioned has been brought to you by Disability Rights New York, your source for disability rights and advocacy.
If you enjoyed our program, make sure to subscribe, like, and share this post. If there is a subject you would like us to discuss, please email podcast at drny.org or comment below. Tune in next Wednesday, where we'll bring you more information on disability rights in the state of New York. The closed-captioned and ASL version of this podcast is available on our YouTube channel. To listen to more Empire State of Rights closed-captioned, follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.